0: During the day she's a designer in the education technology space, during the evenings she's a fitness enthusiast, and at night she's a wannabe artist with a dark but mostly lame sense of humor who also loves mulling over sociology and existential questions. Our guest this week is Tanisha Wag, who is a product designer at ZERN. In today's episode we talk about UX design and what it means technology, creative, and psychological aspects in UX design, ethical versus unethical design, taking risks, and a lot more. But after this ad.
1: What's up, Tanisha? How are you?
2: Hey, guys. I'm great. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me.
1: No, absolutely. Like, it's been so long. I don't know, six years. Like, right, la- the last time we would have spoken would be the last year of graduation yes 2014
2: yep, yeah yep. at least for you Ateet, I, at least with you and me it's been six years with the younger so <laughs> i i've still like met them um mm. a little bit but it's <laughs> great to see everybody after so long
0: yeah a little bit for sure <laughs> cool uh so let's start like um you did a course which is very rare like Not everyone after IT engineering does that and you went to Georgia Tech. So Mm -hmm. like, do you want to talk to us about your course? Why did you pick it up? And like, what was the course about?
2: Yeah. So basically my course was a master's of science in human computer interaction at Georgia Tech. Uh, And it is definitely, it was, I think, more rare when I had picked it back after DJ Sangvi. Uh, But at that point in the fourth year of engineering, it seemed like the natural way for me to go specific to me because uh, I always had more of an inclination towards the arts and creative side of things growing up so even when I picked engineering as my step after the 12th standard my mom was actually in shock she's like wait but how come engineering She's like, I thought like if you get into Xavier's you're going to go there it just seemed natural Uh, but at that point I had made Like I had decided to go with engineering for a variety of reasons. And uh, even through engineering, uh, I saw a common thread now that I think back where I would always volunteer to be the one uh, doing the front end of things, doing uh, wireframing, doing sketching, presenting. And my teammates were very happy back then. (laughs) They were like, you do it because we want to focus more on the back end and kind of build a solid portfolio for the more software engineering side of things. So they were happy that I was volunteering to take on more of the front end. And so I saw that pattern even through the internships I chose in DJ Sanvi, even my final year project with IIT, which I'm so glad I got to do. Um, Through all of that, I had ended up actually doing the work of a UX designer without knowing that that is a field that exists. Um, And my cousin brother had actually done MSHCI at Michigan just two years, before I did so I had started becoming aware of the field and when I heard the kind of work that he does I was like this is awesome because it's an amalgamation of the technical side of things with psychology with arts and that was just perfect for me because I was getting to do a little of everything Uh, so yeah that was how I applied for the course and um, I had at that point made up my mind that if I don't get into there were only like six or seven schools offering a really good program for it. And some of them you needed a lot of experience, some you didn't. But I was like, if I don't get into the schools of my choice, then I think I'll wait it out another year and work in India. But I, at that point, I knew that I'm not cut out for software engineering. Um, so I was like, okay, if I don't get into MSHCI, I'm just going to maybe wait it out. Uh, but I did get into Georgia Tech and it was awesome. <laughs> um if you want me to dive deeper into that
0: let me yeah, yeah 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 let, let's talk more about hci and what does the yeah. course like what are the subjects in the course
3: yeah also like if you could like reverse a little back and talk about your iit internship i remember that kind of shaped up your decision to take this course up and there was some kind of projects that you did there uh, which wanted which made you want to do ui
2: Yeah. So um, with IIT, I think by that time, I had already started being interested in HCI. Um, So it did play a part in reaffirming that I wanted to do it. But where it kind of shaped it is when I started learning about the field through uh, what I've been hearing from my brother as well as doing research. Uh, And uh, what was cool about that project is... It was a one-year-long education technology project with IIT where I got to work with two close friends of mine, which was great. Um, And we all found our own roles in the project that really suited us, which again was awesome because, you know, it can be tough when everybody wants to kind of follow the same master's program. You all want the same thing on your portfolio or your resume, but here somehow we were all able to find what we wanted to do on the project. And um, essentially, we built from scratch, starting with research until development, an education technology app for renewable sources of energy, um, where I, my role was uh, doing a lot of the initial research, sketches, wireframes, and also the 3D modeling um, portion of it, which was great because I learned a new skill. And... Um, So that was great because I went through that entire UX design process without formally knowing what that was called or what that is. And uh, when I went to grad school, I I thought about this and I was like, wait, I actually already did one year of UX work. Um, So that definitely reaffirmed the fact that I'm interested in this field. Uh, Before that, uh, before IIT even came along, um, I had interned at an animation studio during DJ Sangvi and uh, that was very interesting because again you know technical side creative side and um, all of that started falling together in the fourth year it was also the year that a few of us uh, in the IT department especially I think all of us got really serious about um, I don't know I started studying from reference books not easy solutions and I was like you know what I really want to understand what's going on and uh, it, it did kind of make us more serious in general and Uh, yeah it was great because that year turned out to be the most hardworking as well as the most fun year (laughs) Um, but yeah to reverse back a little that was my experience with uh, IIT and uh, it's relevant even today to what I do at my work which is why I'm really grateful I got to do that yeah
1: how did you uh, get an internship at animated studio or like how did you even think about you know applying for that position yeah
2: It's because before I decided I want to go the engineering route, I wanted to be an animator. And my dream was to be an animator at, at that time, Walt Disney or Pixar. (laughs) Uh, And I started studying a lot of it and I had been doing a lot of research. But I think what deterred me back in the day, which I mean, maybe shouldn't today, was uh, the life of animators is not very glamorous. (laughs) It's like it becomes your hobby, becomes your job to the extent that a lot of them were expressing frustration from what I was reading and doing research but you know today I feel like you can't make those decisions unless you actually go through it but at that point it didn't seem as inviting after I read that I'm like oh my god I don't want to hate sketching in my life like so I decided not to go with that but that bug was always in me so I was like how can I find creative ways to apply the technical skills I'm learning and uh, I met this one um person i think maybe via my parents or my family friend or something who ran an animation studio and i asked him if i could do anything for him so it was like an unpaid internship in charcope where i used to take a bus like two hours one way but it was great because i used to get there and i could sketch and draw and do stuff so yeah that's how i did that sure yeah so all of this experience and like all of this combined led me to georgia tech where um, it was great that I got in there. I feel now because Georgia Tech has a very solid HCI program for both beginners as well as more experienced people. And why I liked it is because the first semester you're all learning the same foundational skills that you need as a UX designer or researcher. And that's what happened where we learned, you know, research methods. We learned uh, foundational courses. We learned what is HCI like. What are you doing with it? What are the applications? And that's important because all of you are grounded in the same way. Um, But then after that, you're allowed to kind of go in and dabble in different fields. So if I want to do more interface side software things, there are courses for that. If you want to get into virtual reality, there are courses for that. Um, I did some industrial design courses where I worked with Arduino and I made like an alarm clock, like a physical, tangible alarm clock. Um, and there was also an amazing course I took called Technology and Poverty, which was right within my wheelhouse of things. And uh, so my point is, we got to really dabble in a wide range of things. Um, and the other nice part about being in that program was, like you said, it was pretty rare when I like when we graduated to choose that, right? Because it's newer, it's not as technical, uh, but. My course was only 40 or 50 people, extremely diverse from all perspectives because there were there was a 56 year old student in my class like he was there to change careers. Um, There were people from different ethnicities, there were people from um, different backgrounds like fine arts and industrial design and psychology uh, and everybody brought something new to the table and so overall, it was a very positive experience because I just got to work with different kinds of people, different perspectives, and got to work on a lot of cool projects. Um, again, when I think about it, the common thread in all my projects was education. Uh, whether it was educating people about domestic abuse, like one project was that where I was showing data related to that and like giving creative ways to. Look at that. Uh, the other, my master's project was actually an edutech project related to quantum physics. But now that I think back, I'm like, shit, I really liked edutech for the whole time. Um, but yeah, that was my master's in a nutshell is got to dabble in a lot of different things. Uh, I also did a, an internship with at and where I got to experience what it's like to be a UX designer in a big firm where things move slowly. <laughs> Uh, And I also worked as a teaching assistant with some cool professors who I really learned a lot from. So overall, two years, but got to try a lot of different, different things, um, which now have led me to where I currently am working.
1: Speaking of, uh, where are you currently working?
2: So I'm currently working at uh, an edutech nonprofit called ZONE. And Zearn's mission is actually to make every kid love learning math. I'm not even kidding. Like, this is their mission. (laughs) And it's really cute. It's really um, lofty, the mission, but they're doing it. And they're managing to um, kind of lay out a curriculum where kids not only practice activities and do things like that, but they're actually learning math foundational skills. Um, And it's free of cost for for students, um, which I think means a lot to people from certain communities. Um, but yeah, I'm currently working there as a UX designer, but I'm also learning a lot of visual design skills, uh, which to get into that a little deeper, my um, career arc so far has been interesting because my first job, I used to make way more high-level decisions like I was leading projects, I was um, doing more innovation strategy work because I was working with clients like Coke and Wells Fargo and Bank of America and like an agency work or an agency job is very fast and you're delivering things in like three months and four months and they're big things. Like, anyway, that is a different conversation. That was one thing which was awesome because um, again, I got to learn a lot of, learn to work with a lot of different kinds of people. Uh, I've had brainstorming sessions back at the old job where it was just me, one young brown girl (laughs) talking to five white men who are 50 and older and it was quite intimidating like you walk into a room and you're like okay I what i'm saying i don't even know why you want to listen to me number one but secondly i guess there is something sensible in what i'm saying but there were these moments in those companies because you're just working with those kinds of people um, overall very positive experience again at sparks grow uh, but zone yes so right now i'm doing a very opposite kind of thing of that where i'm making more. Uh, detailed decisions about things i'm kind of getting into the nitty-gritties of design uh, working with design libraries and it's more of like a job that i would have started with relative to what i did at sparks group and i love it because uh it's somehow uh, given me a lot of confidence on the technical side of things as a designer which i feel was the one thing lacking from my previous job uh there i got a lot of confidence with other things like client relationships and communications but here it's like I'm designing one product and one thing for a long period of time, and we're really trying to perfect it over time. And that it is, I feel it's really important in life if I want to become a manager of something or like the CEO of something. I, I would like to know what it is to actually get your hands dirty and understand the nitty gritties of things. Uh, so at Zone, I'm doing that. I'm currently working on uh, middle school stuff where I'm designing tools and activities. help them learn math concepts faster Uh, so it's a mix of ux and visual and research and it's been really nice so far
1: so you said something about uh, design libraries what are those
2: okay so design libraries and design systems are basically um, these tools that companies create for themselves so that all the work that comes out is consistent and not all companies have that because like when it's a fast moving agency or a newer company, um, you're kind of just trying to get things out of the door. So all your deliverables look different. So wireframe from one designer will look different from another. But as you mature and become more established, you kind of want things to look the same. And when you look at a company like zone which is a curriculum for kids, you can't have things looking different because they'll get confused and they really do get caught up on the small things. So that's what a design system does essentially is just help you uh, uh, make everything consistent so that if a designer leaves and a new one comes on, you're not onboarding from scratch. You just be like, okay, study the design system and pick and put elements from there whenever you need.
3: Mm-hmm. also you like told me told us that you started your internship with like a very big firm then your first job was kind of an agency job and now it's more of a uh, I wouldn't say startup but like a smaller team and like doing a lot of things hands-on so out of all three experiences like can you pick one thing that you loved about it and one thing that definitely could could be a reason you probably moved on to the next one or things that you saw could improve there
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's interesting because it did shape my understanding of a big firm, you know. Um, uh, so at was honestly, i touch wood, I've worked with great people. And I think you could work at the best company, but work with really shitty mentors or shitty people and have a bad experience. So for me, all three Touchwood so far have been good, positive experiences. With ATT, what I realized is firstly, culture fit. I don't think I'm, it's for me. <laughs> and uh, very nice people but again things move slowly so if i want to make a decision about a button being somewhere it takes time for them to kind of you know move that forward and uh, uh, i don't know that didn't seem so appealing to me to continue working there for my whole life or at least for the next few years so i'd always gravitated towards smaller faster companies and that's why sparks Grove, when they came along it was very exciting because uh, I knew somebody who worked there before. They had very good things to say. Uh, so with at and I would say what I learned is structure. And I learned um, that testing is given a lot of importance uh, where I was testing with kids actually, and uh, literally getting to the details of things and making one thing perfect is given a lot of importance in a company like at t but what i didn't like again is what i said is uh, slower at that point in my phase was not appealing so then moved on to spark where what i liked about them is i got a crazy range of experience in the first two years of my career literally making decisions that i was like are you sure you want me to be the one making the decision but you kind of are thrown in the deep end and you learn fast and so that gave me a lot of confidence Uh, What I did not love about that is there was not much structure in the design team in terms of the design system. Everything looked different. And after a point, I'm like, okay, I can do this kind of work. I'm, I'm good at being a design consultant, but I also want to be a designer and like get in and make things and not have them go into a black hole because with agencies, you put things off to a client, you hand them off, and then you just don't know where your design has been. And after a point that started getting to me, because I'm like, I don't know what impact I'm having. And with Zone right now, what I love is I can see the impact I'm having. I can test with kids in schools. um, And I get good sleep at night doing that and contributing to a good mission. (laughs) So overall with Zone, it's been pretty positive so far. Um, Yeah, that has been my experience. And one thing I'll add, Sorry if I'm rambling, but one thing I'll add, which I think people who are listening to this, uh, who are younger, and I I feel like it it helped me when I heard it. When I got uh, my first jobs, um, I had got one from a more like a bigger firm, stable company and one from a company like Sparks Grove. And I remember talking to one of my professors who is very relatable and she's cool and she'll help you think through these things. And I'd gone to her and I'm like, you know, I'm really having a hard time whether I should go for this company, which is stable, like big name, all of that. She's like, listen, you're at a phase in your life where you don't, fortunately, don't have a lot to lose and you don't have a lot of commitments. So just take a risk. If you're feeling good about the smaller company, just go for it. And I think that matters to be, you know, to be told that, listen, you're not as significant as you may think you are. And one decision is, not going to ruin your whole life. Uh, but it was really good advice, I feel, for me. So, yeah, that helped me decide Spark
1: grow. Nice. So, so uh, you said you, you have like a UX role, right? Uh, yeah. And so, what is the difference between UX, UI? and uh visual design or maybe even like just a re- prototyper uh is that something uh, in the same umbrella or if you can because i i know like uh so i i work for like a mobile app company so i know the difference between ui and ux and uh, all of that but uh big companies like ATT and and even like other other bigger firms or even small businesses they don't know the difference between ui ux they all you know just say it in the same breath and sentence but i think there's a huge difference so if you could shine some light on
2: on that so i can shine light based on my experience which has been with mainly smaller companies um if i were to apply to like a google there is a specific role for ui specific role for ux specific role for ux engineer which honestly i don't know what that means but i'm sure there is a lot of like responsibility with that role too it's more of like the probably hardware, more of like the backend side of things as well with engineers. But my point is, uh, I think it's all blurry in the field of UX. My perception so far has been, I could be called a product designer and I could be doing everything from research to um, literally developing the product. So in my eyes, visual design and UX design are two separate fields, I think. Because visual goes into like I when I talk about what my career is to uh, my job is to people who don't understand the field as much I explain it as I am the person who makes the blueprint and then visual designers are people who will like make the building uh come to life and you know give it all the details the windows and the doors and all of that so that's how I describe it to people and I feel that is where I see the biggest distinction uh I do see um the difference between the roles in a startup versus a big company and in a startup, my role currently is I do visual and UX both. Um, I do more UX, but whenever I'm needed, uh, I go in and do some visual design work too. So I feel like for me, that is the major distinction. Uh, and then you have these unicorns, magical people who will come in and do everything from design to development, uh, but I see that more in startups. So yeah, I think uh, UI and UX are very different things. But I don't um, know much about the other roles, you know, that it goes into, if that makes sense to you. Also, like, what are the tools that,
3: like, a UI and a UX, like, what different tools do these guys use? And what is, like, that bridge which connects them?
2: Correct. So, uh, from what I've seen so far, UI designers and visual people in general who come from a more, like, arts background and they're interested in that kind of stuff, uh, they end up becoming art directors of the company or visual design directors of the company. They use Sketch, which is the same tool that we use as UX designers, but they also use a lot more of the Adobe suite. So they'll use Illustrator and Photoshop, whereas we I hardly ever use it. I use it here because there are some times I need to go in and do stuff. But I mainly work in Sketch and I work with tools like uh, paper and dropbox and things like that to do my research um to build my research and i also work with um uh, certain things like usability testing.com and all of that to conduct research tests whereas you won't see a visual designer doing so much research they do more of like a sketch uh, and adobe i'd say
1: so wait uh, um uh, UI people use sketch and Adobe suit and UX user uh, users
2: and uh, they use more like I would say ad hoc tools like paper uh, paper and pen or paper and drop okay.
1: like and literal think, paper
2: like literal paper okay. I think a lot of people will prefer just taking a whiteboard and marker and going and doing that kind hmm. of stuff uh, and I think what connects them Eloni to your question is sketch is definitely a common tool but other than that brainstorming sessions so important for both UI and UX to work together because they can really help each other, I feel, you know. And uh, normally in brainstorming sessions, we'll have people sitting in there uh, whiteboarding. Even if a visual designer at that point doesn't have a lot to contribute, they can just hear and kind of formulate ideas. So I think that connects them in my opinion.
0: So but- do, do you work with like developers? So after your design is completed, then that goes ahead to the yep. developers, right? And then they develop whatever you design.
2: Yes, that is what happens traditionally. Um, at Zorn, they have been very good about involving the CTO. So the CTO is our age. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's a small company, it's like 80 people. So he's there in a lot of meetings where um, he will uh, he'll sit in there and listen. And if there are some major uh, design co- like constraints that he wants to tell us about listen, that's too far or that's too much, he'll be there for that. Uh, with Sparkstore, there was some of that, but there were also many times where the developers would come in later. And I was not a fan of that because I'm like, listen, just sit in there, like sit and listen. I feel it's important to involve the main entities right from the beginning. But yes, I work with developers. Um, this uh, Usually they, they kind of know what to do already at Zone because again, it's a design system where they've been doing it for years. But there are moments when they'll come back and ask questions or they'll need new assets or new new designs or anything like that um but yeah constant communication uh, is carried out by the pms who handle the projects
3: so uh, this is something that i have seen in my company i do, and i've heard across uh, with a lot of agencies as well that like there is always a difference of opinion between the technical side of things and the creative so like my designers have like some opinion and how they want to take things forward and then Mm there is a hard stop from the technical end either from a timeline point of view or from feasibility point of view Uh, and so in such situations like how have you been able to manage so far or how do you uh, kind of make the file like the deliverable the way you want it while convincing your technical team to help you out there
2: great question and i think um i don't know if this is true you all can tell me what you all feel but um i feel like having a Uh, nature that is more like let's bring peace to this world helps because uh with me i've uh, i've been the conflict resolution person amongst a lot of my friends also a lot of times and that helps in this situation because what i used to do is i would try and communicate with the the lead developer or whatever in my own way and i'd say okay so you tell me what is not possible and because we're also from an IT background, you can empathize. You know, I'm not going to tell him, no, I want this and you have to do this because I understand what feasibility means. I understand it. Like it helps you empathize with what they're thinking. But there are moments when developers will want to take the easier route. And that's not right. So that's when I would step in and be like, okay, I'm drawing three solutions. This is tier A, like what we should do, tier B, tier C. And that helped me so far is I would draw all three and then I'd say, look, is or A possible? Okay, if it's not possible, let's move to tier B and tier C. So I would just draw out everything, uh, but try to find the balance between what we need for our users and what is easy for them. But it was a lot of communication, a lot of like drawing and a lot of like, okay, the na tera na mera like barter system types and reaching a solution. Uh, that worked for me so far. Um, but I think, yeah, you've got to communicate with them, not keep them in the dark.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, your program where you're working with people from different backgrounds, like right, Georgia yeah. Tech also helped with that, right? You could speak different languages, you could understand, you can sympathize better.
2: Yes, I think it helps because you just meet people. with I mean, they are better at something. Somebody from a psychology background has had a lot of trouble with certain technical things and vice versa. So you just learn, ki, okay, there's a give and take in everything and you learn to collaborate. Uh, definitely, I think it, it helped in that way.
0: I have a question. So you initially brought up this, like when you were studying in Georgia Tech, you said this uh, elements of psychology as well in uh, design, right? So can you give examples of how you implement like psychology in UX design and also like, what are your thoughts on like ethical design versus unethical design?
2: Uh, so psychology in UX design, I think plays a big role when, I think I saw it a lot while I was testing with different kinds of people. So when I tested with kids in, in at and I was testing like a U-verse app with them, like their at and verse they have that program. And I was testing it with them and I went in thinking, oh, it's like a normal test, you know, which I do with at Georgia Tech with my friends or whatever. And I was showing them things. I'm like, okay, what do you like? What do you not like? And all the most of the kids were like, "Yeah, I don't like this because it's green, and I want to like, you know, I want it to be purple or I want it to be this." So uh, I feel like that aspect of psychology kicks in because you're like, "Okay, my user is different, and I need to understand what my user wants." And you have to, as a designer, you may think you know what's best, but then you're like, "I need to step in and kind of." Uh, not put those blinders on and just listen like sometimes you just have to listen to what they need Uh, so from that perspective I think the psychology kicks in when you uh, make products for different kinds of people and then with ethical and unethical design I feel like there are certain things that you should keep in mind as a company today make design accessible like make it um like follow color guidelines and font guidelines that most people can use, right? Because now with students, we try to not use very jarring colors. We're trying to keep in mind color blindness. Uh, I think those are basic things that now, I mean, it's time for it, you know, it's not like a choice. So those kind of things to do. And secondly, as a designer, I want to be an advocate for the users as much as I can. So trying to find that balance of, you know, I want to make things for you, but sometimes I know better and then like trying to find that mixture. I think those are some basic things in this field, um, like accessibility and all of that, that I feel are keeping me grounded.
3: there's a lot of companies uh, work with UI UX designers and kind of the primary thing that they want or the end goal that they want out of the design is that people stay on the app or people stay on the website. And I don't know if it's the jargon's used, well, but it's called some stickiness. So, yeah. yeah, so
2: uh,
3: I mean... Is that something that you consider ethical one? And uh, if that is something to be implemented in a right way, what would that be?
2: So um, I don't, I personally don't get into a lot of that or my role doesn't get me into a lot of that today also because right now I'm working in such a niche field, such a niche role. But from what I've seen in the past, I think it's important to know what your users are doing. So whether it's going in and reading the data, Even just using Google Analytics, uh, as long as you're doing it the right way and not in an intrusive manner where you're, you know, uh, creeping on people, uh, I feel like in that way, it's important because if you don't know what's going on, you're not going to learn and grow as a company also. Uh, But like at Zone, for example, I know we read into data where we need to understand, okay, the signups this month were so many, were not so many, so many kids are not doing this, so many are not. And that stickiness can be improved with that. And testing is a part of that where we test and we're like, you know what, people are not responding to this anymore. So maybe we need to like update. So I think if it's done in the right way, um, it's good and it'll help you grow in my opinion. Um,
0: Instagram's apps redesign that recently came where, you know, that button where, Previously, it was heart where people used to go yeah. and see likes and all that. They put a shop button there. Now, so everyone is like, buy yeah. mistakenly. No. So who takes that decision? Is it the developer or the UX designer?
2: I mean, I'm assuming that would be something a designer makes or a designer or like the researcher at the company. But that's damn annoying, man. Like, yeah. like that, that is annoying. So from that point of view, I don't know if it gets into ethics, but it's just annoying to a user where you're like, you're forcing me to change something and go to a shopping link not even something different
3: yeah. so I yeah think Snapchat mm-hmm. felt that like they changed their UI and they suddenly had such a big loss in the users I think we were those people who were like big time Snapchat users back in college and suddenly we saw a big change in the UI yeah. and all of us were like dropped off from the app itself yeah I, I, feel
2: like, I feel like a lot of them take risks and sometimes I wonder why you're taking like your model is working obviously improve your design and stay updated but I wonder what goes on in their mind when they're like, let's just totally transform everything. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. people don't like change, you know, in general. Um, But yeah, it's interesting to think about that. I just don't have much insight into it.
0: Even when like Johnny Ivy, like they switched the Apple icons from the old boxed ones to that colorful ones, like there was so much backlash.
2: Must be, dude. Because people, imagine you're looking at the same thing like 10 times a day and then suddenly you see something different. Like, I don't hate it, but I don't like it, you know? Yeah.
1: So uh, how do you continue to learn things in your field? Uh, Do you have any systems like you have subscribed to maybe podcasts or newsletters or Mm -hmm. just meetups or something like that?
2: Yeah, so I think uh, with my previous job and back in Georgia Tech, I used to do a lot more of that actively because uh, the kind of work I did also kept varying over time. Uh, Currently, I don't do as much of like meetups and stuff just because, again, it's such a niche field that I'm working in. Uh, But the way I keep myself educated today is I just try to understand more about the education industry and I try to read more of the research related to curriculums and I try to actually do the math myself before I design because that is something we, we all do at the companies really understand what we're designing for so that is more what i do today but uh back in the day uh before this job i used to do um i used to look at medium a lot because medium pay people put their own opinions about design i like to read that um there's this company uh, a well-established company called nielsen norman group and they are kind of like part of the founding fathers of ux um they have that credibility where they go into research about um usability principles and all of that so when i forget sometimes things i'll go and i'll read that stuff so it's called nngroup.com and then uh i know a lot of designers get inspiration from dribble dribble.com where people put up their creative stuff uh and then there are other couple um, like ux planet um where uh, again experts go in and put up little snippets and blogs blog posts about the most relevant topic so i think I, I look at all of that from time to time but uh, today yeah it's more go and understand the education industry and stay up to date with design principles is what i try to do.
1: and what is it like the natural progression uh, in your career like after like 10 years would you mm-hmm. be like the director of um ux or is there like a director of ux or is it called something else
2: yeah so there is a director of ux uh, the natural progression, the most generic one I can think of would be you start at like UX designer, then you go to something like senior UX designer or UX designer two, uh, then you go into manager, where also you're doing a lot of UX design, but you're probably just handling a team as well and making higher level decisions. And then after, yeah, like you said, eventually it would be UX director. Um, and yeah, that would be the natural progression. So somebody who really wants to get into UX to that extent would probably aim to be the director of UX at a company, I think.
1: Yeah. And one more question, uh, in UX, uh, space, if someone wants to transition from like a non UX, uh, career, how do, how does one do that?
2: I think this is a great question because everybody should understand this about UX at least, uh, it is kind of like being uh, a dancer in a certain way, because, um, if you want to be a dancer, you have to show your dance skills, right? Like you can be 50 years old, but you can dance like a pro. Uh, and it's similar for UX where yes, having a background from a school like Georgia Tech or CMU or all of those matters. And when people see it, they get impressed. But in the long run, I would rather see somebody's portfolio. So portfolio is crucial. I don't think you should uh, expect to get a UX job without a, um, showing off some skills, whether you have a like a physical portfolio in hand or whatever, um, just have something where you can show your skills. If somebody wants to trans, uh, kind of transfer their career, I would say uh, start doing little projects like study online. There are lots of resources like, you know, start studying online or try to find work with your friends. Be like, oh, can I redesign this for you? Or uh, can we work on a project together? And as you get more confident, uh, maybe, Uh, sign up for like freelance work and do more of that for people who don't have the structure of a school I'm saying this mainly Uh, because in school you're still given opportunities to you know work on this project and that project so when I came out of Georgia Tech I'd already worked on like six seven projects which I could put on my portfolio Uh, so yes going to a school if you have the resources and if you can do it because you'll get the whole experience you'll get the experience of internships working with different people all of that But I don't think it's necessary if you're willing to put in the dedication and learn online um, and just kind of build your own website and uh, start showing it to people. But you've got to be very, I feel back back then it would've been hard for me to do that. You've just got to be very like, yeah, I'm going to do this and very motivated about it. Um, But totally possible if you want to switch careers, just be self-driven and find projects and do UX work and show people.
0: Any apps or websites that you love in terms of design that are your absolute favorites?
2: You know, I'll have to look through, but a couple that I I love TurboTax. I love it as a UX designer, but I know there are a lot of problems with TurboTax. (laughs) I'm not going to get into that, but as a user, I have never smiled while doing taxes and I did that when I used TurboTax. So I've always been a big fan of their design. Uh, They have a lot of other issues, I believe. But uh, that is one. I always give that as an example. Then other things like uh, Headspace. Yeah. So I nice. was
0: going to say, I love Headspace. It's <laughs> so nice.
2: right? Like apps, you just open and you're like, wow, what is going on? Like, so beautiful. Um, there's another game called Monument Valley. I don't know if you've played it. Adi's like, I know, i played it. <laughs> but <laughs> such a beautiful game. Like you just open it. It's simple. And like, I don't know, like just... Lovely to look at, I feel. Um, so things like that. I'm sure there are a few more I think of I'll text you later, but um other than that, it's I think these three come to mind right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think uh Kevin Spacey was playing that uh in House of Cards, like season one or something. That's how it became <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and like the very first version of
0: um I
2: know. I know. Yeah. Very cool game.
1: Cool.
0: So if you had to give yourself your younger self some advice like what would you tell tanisha from dj
2: many things i think uh but one a couple of things i would tell her is firstly um chill out like you know there's one thing where you learn to work smart and not work hard which i learned at georgia tech actually Uh, was one of the things i learned is you can get the same results by just working smarter and that happened and now that's been a lesson i've been practicing um, another thing would be, I think I was a bit of a worrier in general, like not even related to um, studies or anything. It was just like, if something would be in my head, it would just be in my head to the extent that it would gnaw at me. Then I was like, listen, I can't keep worrying about everything that's going on in the world, whether it's something I saw, something people said, something. Because it kind of just eats at you and you've got to step in and be like, listen, this doesn't matter. Uh, and... One thing I do today, when I get too stressed out about something, I watch this video of the pale blue dot, where the pale blue dot basically just shows you that you are one dot, not even you, the earth is one dot in the galaxy, and you are one dot on that. And when I watch that, I'm like, oh my God, who cares what I think? <laughs> I just like chill out after that. So yeah, I would just tell her um, on the on the learning side, I would be like, you know, take it easy, don't get too stressed about stuff. Make mistakes and don't chase perfection because it doesn't exist um and on the positive side I would tell her yes keep your fitness going because I feel like that's something that really grounded me and uh stay weird like I would tell my younger sister, say stay weird it it works <laughs> and it's good
1: nice I have like an annual tradition on my birthday I, I watch five videos and pale blue dot is one of that videos I watch those five videos like every every year. It's it's a beautiful.
2: You're yeah, like who are you? Like to are So gives you
1: gives you a good perspective.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so what's next? What's next for you? What are you excited about?
2: Oh. It's like, for, so I think what's next for me, uh, number one, you all know I'm moving back to India for good, which was a very big decision, um, but seems like the right decision and the right time. Uh, but for the first time, I feel like I don't have a concrete answer about what's next and I'm going with it. I'm like, OK, it's cool. Uncertainty is good. But uh, as of now, I'm going to continue to work with my company in India for the next how much of a time I can. Um, from there and then at the same time I want to kind of understand more about the education space in India see if there's something I can get into over there over time Uh, so I'll be looking into more of that once I get there and uh, at the side if time and I mean not time but uh, at the side I would also like to get into the fitness industry a little bit and um, see if I can do a side hustle related to that uh, yeah so for now that's the plan hopefully someday I'll have my own business where I can do all of this I don't know how but a little bit of fitness a little bit of design um, but yeah that's the plan Vague as of now
3: yeah
1: great
3: we'll move on to our next segment it's called the top three and uh, we love some recommendations from you it starts with the top three books that you recommend and what which is one book that you have gifted the most
2: so one book I've gifted the most is from the set called, uh, I think it's called Mindfulness Essentials uh, by this um, ancient, <laughs> ancient uh, Asian uh, writer. And I think he's like a meditation practitioner. His name is, I don't want to uh, say it wrong, but it's like Thich Nhat Hanh, And uh, he writes these books about how to walk, how to sleep, how to love. And there are these tiny books with cute pictures and it's just like teaches you about small things like how how to walk mindfully like when you take a step don't just take a step like you're sleepwalking think about everything you do and I love the way he's done it tiny books but I've gifted it to a couple of friends actually already so that uh, I've gifted the most but then there are some others that I really like Uh, one is an essay by this lady called Chimamanda Adichie she's like a Uh, author and feminist and she you should watch her youtube video i think everybody should again her book is like it's this tiny it's an essay but i feel like all women all men should read it because it just helps you understand what being a feminist
3: is which is not what so many people think would i have read it and i i made like all my cousins like 13 year olds 15 year olds i made them read it
2: yeah it's just so nice and she says it well Um, so that is one and then uh, The Girl on the Train man that is a book I read recently and it's so twisted and you just won't look at anybody the same way Uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs)
3: Girl on the Train is by the same author who uh, uh, also I mean that movie I forgot Gone Girl it's the same author yeah
2: yeah that's why yeah dude it's so twisted (laughs) yeah correct
1: So, uh, top three movies, TV show
2: recommendations. Um, One is All Time uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Just too good, that movie. I don't know. I just love it. Um, Second, I really like motivational sports movies. So, whether it's Chakde India or it's Mericom or it is, which was the other sports movie, man? Karate Kid, the newer one though uh i just love those movies um i just think they're very inspiring uh and uh, chakdi and i've kind of gone through that myself uh, in the throwball field so i was like yes i feel you like i understand um so that and then then there are 100 more like harry potter and this and that but yeah
0: cool the next one top three podcast or youtube channel recommendations
2: so one, which is probably, you all have probably heard this from a lot of people is uh, How I Built This by Guy, Guy Ross. And uh, I just like the way he tells the stories and how learning about how different people are uh, building their businesses and stuff. And second is this podcast called Strangers, which is awesome, but just to disclaimer: it's very dark, like very dark sometimes, but captivating stories about people around you who you would never know do the things they do uh, very cool and very creepy at the same time but it's called strangers uh, but yeah i would say these two are my top right now